It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly Potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Broering. As always, it's presented by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending. Uh, Rick, uh, I, I know you had a late night, you and the other eight people that were at the ballpark last night. Um, you know, it, it's kind of find your seat night anymore for, for when, when you go to a game. Um, how, how do you like that environment, Rick? How how would I know? <laughs> have, have you witnessed some of these crowds? Well, I think Mo Egger and uh, Austin Elmore brought 85% of the crowd on Tuesday night. I think they did too over there, out there in the uh, in the moon deck. I honestly think there was probably more fans at the doubleheaders at Thomas More University Stadium and at Mike and Field for the ninth region baseball tournament last night than there was at Great American Ballpark. I think there's probably a good chance of that. You know, I, what, 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 what more compelling reason to go than this, this great ball club? Very compelling. It truly is. I do have to ask, based on last week's podcast, some people are asking, did you hit a trifecta? Did you bet on the way? I mean, you gave three of the, the top four horses in the race on last week's podcast for the Preakness. What, did you win any money off that? I did. I, I had I had win place money. I had uh, trifecta money. I did not catch the superfecta. I cheaped out. I should have gone with what I was going to go with. My, my top two choices on top of four horses on top of all on top of all instead I went on top of four horses on top of four horses I I did not uh I I did not put um the Philly who ran third in that third slot so I did not win the superfecta but I want to try caught a pick 3 and caught uh, caught some win money so it was uh, it was a it was a pretty good day and I, I honestly I was so busy I was in a golf outing that day that I only really bet the the two races leading up to the Preakness in the pick 3 and then the Preakness itself so um, I, I guess in some degree it worked out pretty well that I probably didn't throw some of my bankroll away earlier in the day. Yeah, probably. Well, well done, first of all. And second of all, it was kind of funny because those of you who listen to the podcast regularly were hitting us up late last week because we had some confusion going on, some miscommunication in terms of the podcast transferring over. We have a new host that we had to switch to and it wasn't available in everybody's feeds last week. So a lot of people who normally listen to the podcast didn't hear it prior to the race. So, so they all listen here. You give three of the top four horses, including the winner and realize that they missed out on that. So uh, some people were not thrilled about that, but we appreciate you guys looking for the podcast. Nonetheless. Yes. Nonetheless we do. And, and come back for, for the podcast leading up to the Belmont stakes. And hopefully I can be just as lucky. <laughs> I don't like the chances of that, but yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> it's a good. Neither do I trust me, my man. All right, let's jump into it. The Reds went three and four since we last spoke and are now 13 and 30 as we're recording this on Thursday morning. They'll probably be 13 and 31 by the time you actually hear this as they're playing the Cubs at 1235 today before welcoming the Giants for a weekend series at GABP. I want to ask you about two guys on this team right now, Skinny. The first is Aristides Aquino. Three weeks ago, he was designated for assignment. He just rejoined the team on Sunday. And he's four for nine with a double, two homers, five RBIs, and only two strikeouts. Are you holding out any hope that Aquino can be a contributor? No, I'm really not. Um, I, I think he's had a long enough stint to prove that he's not, that occasionally, like a lot of guys who are 4A-level players, they can come up and get hot for a two-game stretch or even a week stretch, or even in the case when he first came up um, a couple seasons ago for a month stretch. But over time, it catches up to you. They'll catch back up to him. I know he's changed some things in the way he's swinging. Um, I, I do know that, and maybe that that helps in the in the short term, but I, I don't. I, I wish I could because 
I mean, he's just a fascinating talent. He's got such great raw power. He's got that great arm from the outfield. Um, I, I do hold out the hope, but I just I, I have a hard time believing in it. How about you? Yeah, I, the, the power is incredible. I, I think it was – I don't know who it was. Maybe it was Lance that had posted – Reds fastest to 34 home runs or yeah. whatever. Yeah, Joel, Joel Luck, I think, yeah, Joel Luckup, I think, uh, initially posted that okay. the statistician, but yeah, that that was fascinating to see, was it not? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, he's one of the fastest, if not the fastest, out of the best power hitters in Reds history. To well, I think it's 34 home runs he has in his career or something yeah. like that, yes. 43, yes. whatever it is. That is impressive, but here's the problem those other guys weren't hitting under 200. For their Willie career, Mo, Willie Mopaney was on that list though, and he was kind of <laughs> he, might, he might have been under 200 for yeah. his career, but even he, I think, was a better overall hitter and get on base guy than Aquino. And I mean, granted, the other night, I think it was Tuesday night, he did hit two home runs against the Cubs on breaking pitches, which is his biggest issue. He can't hit the breaking ball at all, he's strictly a fastball hitter. But part of the problem with him is he embodies what is so frustrating about this team for me. Sell me a vision. Sell me on hope. Don't sell me on Aristides Aquino might finally put it all together or we're waiting for Nick Senzel to get healthy and this team will start to figure. I mean, like the, we already know what these guys are. They can't play. E- even if you're trying to sell me on a rebuild and young talent and the guys that are coming up right now, it's not good enough. Like this team has no path to being a good baseball team over the next couple of years. And when you keep running guys like I, I was so sick of hearing, I'll just wait till we get healthy. Uh, wait till we get all our guys. Oh, wait, wait till Aristides Aquino and Nixon Zell get back in the lineup. Right. That's what we're waiting for. Really? I mean, your three leading RBI guys on this team are literally utility guys for other teams. Maybe in the case of Tyler Naquin, a, a fourth outfielder, but Brandon Drury, Colin Moran, Tyler Naquin, all with 22 RBI. That, that, that just screams of ineptitude right there. It does. And that's what we've been saying since the beginning of the season. You look in the middle of this lineup. There's no one to fear. There's no one to pitch around. I mean, they they, they pitch the three and four hitters in this lineup opposing pitchers do, and they're grooving fastballs up in the zone. It's like no, there's zero sense of intimidation or fear when facing this Reds lineup right now. Yeah, and not, not to give this guy credit because I thought he was a clown when he was here, but Jim Bowden um... – writes uh, pieces for the athletic and, and he had kind of a, a mailbag piece the other day and a question was asked about the reds and, and how can they start to rebuild and I, and I do agree with him on this I, he said i put everybody on the block other than tyler stevenson hunter green and he had one other um, jonathan, jonathan india. india yeah, and he, yeah. And he didn't put lodolo on there only because lodolo's on the il i'm sure he would put include lodolo on that list as well and, right. and i'm kind of with him i i think right now that's where we're at everybody goes up in 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 June, um, everybody's on the block and get get whatever you can get for them, best prospect wise, because this is when you get a chance to sell high. Um, you know, somebody's going to want Luis Castillo, somebody's going to want Tyler Malley. Um, you know, there's some sell, there's some sellable pieces, but you better get max value for those guys. Well, and that leads us into the next guy I wanted to talk about, which is Tyler Malley, because his value is quickly diminishing. He allowed eight runs and in four innings while throwing 103 pitches on Tuesday night. He's now two and five on the season with the 632 ERA through 10 starts. Skinny, where are you at on, on Tyler Malley? I mean, he's, he's kind of falling apart here. Yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed because I, 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 I really thought he was on the cusp of becoming a, a really good pitcher, like a top of the rotation type of guy. I still, I mean, you can still see the stuff is there, 
But I, I don't know who was doing the analysis the one night. I tried to tune it out because I can't stand John Sadak. I can't listen. I just can't <laughs> do it. But one of the one of the analysis was uh, along the lines of him trying to be always too perfect with every pitch. And I think yeah. there's some truth to that. I think that's why his pitch count gets elevated. I don't think he trusts his stuff the way he should trust his stuff. And I do think he tries to be too perfect. I, the, the stuff is still there. I'm, I'm going to call it a rut. Um, and and maybe I won't after June's over with. But you're right. I mean, the, the, the worse he pitches, the less his value is going to be for sure. So well, now it makes you it begs the question of this. If he does turn this around, how much then do you almost have to say, gosh, we do have to unload this guy before it flips back the other way again? 100%. I think you, if you if there's any potential to get prospects or talent back for Tyler Malley, I think you have to do it. The, the one thing you mentioned him not trusting his stuff, it does seem like he's had some velocity issues here this year. His fastball is getting crushed. Do you think he's fatigued at all from last year or? hurt or something i mean it just it just doesn't seem like he's the same guy in terms of his stuff as he was no, last it, year it, it's it's a legit question um yeah i i don't know the answer to that it's it I, you know i keep waiting for, I, I heard david bell in a pregame maybe two or three starts ago that i that he sounded really optimistic of tyler and said you know i, I think we've got some things worked out i'm looking forward to a start today it was a sunday game rick i can't it was like two or three starts back yeah. he got bombed it he got bombed in that start and i thought well i mean it whatever's going on it ain't working yeah well i mean he did have Two pretty good back-to-back starts prior to this one on Tuesday night. But in four of his 10 starts this year, he hasn't even given the team a chance to win. He hasn't kept him in the game at all. He's gotten blown out. Well, Rick, even when he pitches well, for the most part, his pitch count's so elevated that he can't stay in the game long enough. Yeah, and that goes back to exactly what you said about not trusting his stuff enough. He's nibbling way too much. I mean, he gets into all these three-ball counts with every other hitter it seems like and there's there's way too many pitches that it seems like he's trying to be too perfect on the edges of the strike zone instead of just being a little bit more aggressive and again i think that goes back to his fastballs getting hammered a little bit too much and he just doesn't quite trust it so yeah i don't know if he's struggling a little bit physically if it's a, a mental thing that he's dealing with or if they were just getting by on a little bit of smoke and mirrors the last year or so from him I don't think they were. I I, th- I thought he had good stuff. I, I do. I don't think it was smoke and mirrors. I, I I don't. I mean, I'll go back to some of these guys, Rick, and I and I I, I got to say it. You know, the whole spider tax spin rate stuff for some of these guys, maybe taking that away, has really affected some guys more than others. Uh, there's no doubt that it has, and I don't know if he's one of those guys right. or not. Uh, but he he definitely seems like something's not the same as it was a year ago. That's yeah. for sure. No question. Before we move on, I, I do have to tell a great story here. So Charlie Goldsmith, who who works for the Enquirer, covers the Reds and Bengals. We were at Bengals practice on on Tuesday, and somehow I brought up Taylor Modern. And I said that, that guy is just a microcosm of the Reds. They bring up that clown. He looks like a clown. He plays like a clown. The fact that he has to be stuck in a major league baseball game was a joke. And he said, "I got to tell you a quick story about Taylor Modern." He said that he he played for a Mexican league team earlier this year, and I said, "Wait, what?" He goes, yeah. He said, so I went up to him and I said, so why did you sign with the Reds? His answer was, well, it beats Mexico. And I said, Charlie, that should be like a chapter of the book of this season. Chapter eight, well, it beats Mexico. I mean, that's the microcosm of this team. Why'd you sign with the Reds? It beats Mexico. Where are y'all going to go? Not Mexico. We can check that one off the list, finally. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Uh, We got one place people would rather not be than GABP, and that's Mexico. That's Mexico, absolutely. All right, Skinny, the Bengals OTAs have continued this week. 
Uh, we talked last week about Jesse Bates not showing up for them due to his ongoing tr- contract negotiation. Another guy missing from the voluntary workouts has been newly signed guard Alex Kappa. Zach Taylor said on Tuesday that Kappa is out with a core muscle injury and will miss a few weeks. Will this have any impact on Kappa's status, do you think, or is he clearly a starter for week one? Oh, no, he's clearly a starter. I mean, it, my, my only fear, I, I hear these things sometimes, and then you go, well, I thought it was only a two-week deal, and then it becomes a month deal, and it becomes a longer deal. I think of it as a word that's a couple-week of deal. It's OTAs. Um, you know, the, for the, the, they're in the phase currently where you can't even go 11 on 11, even in you know light. You have to just do basically position drills, and then you can do, uh, and they've been doing some of this, they can do 11 on 0 type stuff, run plays just to, to rep through it. So does he lose a little bit of traction there? Yeah, a little bit, but um, the guy's a veteran enough to, I, I, I don't think missing a little bit of OTAs is, is going to necessarily be a, be a bad thing. It gets, it gets Hakeem Adenogy in there getting some reps and, and that's probably not a bad thing either. You know, the, the one thing is I'm still a little bit worried about offensive line depth. So the more you can give some of these younger guys, some, some reps, with some of the ones, because eventually you're going to have to play some of these guys probably due to injury, probably the better. So no, I, I don't think it's a big deal until it becomes a big deal, Rick. And the only way it becomes a big deal is if this, this core muscle, and he didn't use the word injury, he called it core muscle deal. Yeah. Um, I think I used the word issue. He used deal. Um, uh, you know, if, if that's all it is, and it's just a couple of weeks and he can get back for the part of OTAs, which is phase three, when they'll have five practices between June, the whatever, June the 6th and the 16th, where they can do some 11 on 11 stuff um, again, not not live contact, but they can at least go against each other. Um, then, then I'm, I think it's okay. Uh, but, but it certainly bears watching because a couple of weeks sometimes lingers. There's been a lot of talk about fourth round pick Cordell Volson from North Dakota state, the guard uh, NFL.com's Chad Ryder did a piece titled day three rookies who could compete for starter snaps in year one. And he wrote the following about Volson quote, The team was close to winning it all last year and will not have patience for lapses from 2021 second-round pick Jackson Carmen or veteran Hakeem Adeniji, especially if Volson's intelligence and determination as a blocker turns heads in training camp. Skinny, is there a realistic chance that Volson can win the starting left guard spot, in your opinion? There is, but I think there's some symbolism to what they've done with Jackson Carmen. Um, They've they've had him repping with the ones. Um, I I think that's intentional to literally tell him, um, hey – we're giving you the chance to win this job. It's up to you to go win it, to act like a professional. Um, and he's done some of that. He's gotten himself in much better shape. He looks more athletic. He's obviously got the the incident at Clemson, I guess, hanging over his head, I guess. I mean, you know, but there's no police report and all of those things. But uh, I, I think that they've given him that rope of, got one more good chance, guy. And and and, and if you don't want to be a pro, if you don't want to treat this professionally, and he taught, I, I, you know, I, I talked to him a little bit. And he even talked about, you know, being more mature this offseason and treating it a little a little more serious. And he has. He's 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 changed his diet. He went to work out uh in Dallas for a month, um with with a offensive line guru. Uh I think they've probably I don't know this for a fact, but it feels like they told him, You got one chance. You got one chance. And if it doesn't work out, we're ready to move on without you. So I think it's more a case of not Volson winning the job as much it would be Jackson Carmen losing the job. And then ho- hopefully, if that's the case, then Volson is ready to step into a starting spot. Am I wrong in in my assessment that it seems like people are kind of gushing about this Volson kid? They are because he is a fascinating story, A. Uh, um, you know, B, I, I think there's 
I, I think there's a lot of people that have given up on Jackson Carmen, and I understand it. I don't think inside the organization they have necessarily because they stuck their neck out in a big way for him. So you're going to give him every chance you can, but you can't, you know, give ad infinitum chances here. I know for for uh, Zach, he was asked the other day about Jackson specifically, and he then he mentioned Deontay Smith and and Trey Hill, and he said, I want to see the jump that these kids can make in, in year two because sometimes that's a big jump. I think that's the belief they think they can get from Carmen. For him, part one was get your head in the playbook better. I think he's done that. He's trying to do that. He certainly reshaped his body. So to me, it's you're the starter right now. We're plugging you there with the ones. If you lose out on this job, we're quickly ready to move on without you. It just seems like to me, ever since Volson was drafted, maybe once or twice a week, there's something written about him, whether it's a national guy or a local guy, and everyone's just kind of loves telling this guy's story or talking about him or hyping him up as a potential guy to watch in training camp. And I will say, if you're going for a brand in terms of like trying to build what a ideal offensive lineman should look like, I want the guy who was like digging trenches for his dad's construction company as a middle schooler, which is and lift, and lifting up, lifting up trains and putting them back on the track. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's got the uh, the backstory of the blue collar, right, tough guy right. vibe going. So I, I like all of that. I mean, he has the the feel of an offensive lineman. But yeah, just I find it funny as a kid from North Dakota State how everyone just seems to really be gravitating towards him early on. Yeah, and I, and I think this was a Frank Pollock pick. I don't think Jackson Carmen necessarily was. I really don't. And, and I think Frank didn't want to fool with him early last year when he made him third team right off the bat because he wasn't ready to go. And I think that was very symbolic of where they were with him very quickly. And then out of necessity, and he did play better as camp went on, out of necessity they had to throw him in the starting lineup, and he wasn't great. And, you know, some of that you can argue nobody was, was great on that offensive line really, but he wasn't great. And so um, – I think the message is loud and clear. We're giving you one final last shot. You know, and if 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 he doesn't work out and if Volson doesn't work out, hell, maybe they make a quick decision to re-sign Quentin Spain too because he's still out there. Yeah. I mean, Quentin Spain wasn't bad to the stretch that the Bengals had. No. No. Right. Right. All right. Pro Football Network has released the top 32 quarterbacks and top 32 wide receivers heading into the 2022 season. That's right. We are in list season skinny yes the, we are yes we are <laughs> the calendar has officially flipped uh, joe burrow was ranked the sixth best quarterback and jamar chase the sixth best receiver skinny do you have any thoughts on those rankings do you agree it's splitting hairs to some degree and listen i love me some justin herbert in theory and, and not even in theory i love me some justin herbert but but really, hasn't Joe Burrow accomplished more already? Shouldn't he be ahead of Justin Herbert? Because the list has Mahomes one. I don't think we can argue there. I could argue with Josh Allen too, but puts up some numbers in the run game and the pass game. Rodgers three, Brady four. You're talking two Hall of Famers there. Then Justin Herbert, then Burrow. So I, I don't really, I guess splitting hairs, I'd put Burrow at five, I guess. Yeah, I think that's right. I don't think there's much of an argument to jump anyone other than Herbert. Uh, I mean, Brady and Rogers say what you want, just based off of career achievement at this point, you still got to have them ahead of them and what they've seen in their experience Uh, with Allen and Mahomes. I don't, I mean, I think those are the two guys that I would say look like they might be more talented than Joe Burrow still at this point, but I don't see anyone behind him that I would question whether he's better than they're not. I mean, you got Dak Prescott is number seven. Lamar Jackson is eight. Matthew Stafford is nine. I mean, some people might want to put, Stafford in that conversation after he just won the Super Bowl. But I think we've got a long enough track record with him to realize that 
He's good. He's one of the better quarterbacks, but I don't think he's quite in that elite tier. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd probably flip him up to seven. Lamar at eight and Dak at nine. If I was going to do it, then it's Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. I mean, you got you got some pretty capable quarterbacks down that list, for goodness sake. So it tells you that the fact that we're talking about Joe Burrow as a top fiver is in, is in pretty good category. What do you think of the wide receivers? Yeah, the wide receivers, uh, it, for me, this list is harder to really differentiate a lot of these guys and you really start splitting hairs. And I think yep. it's, it's a lot more about the team they're on and the quarterback that's throwing them the ball and the offensive line and all that. Uh, but looking at where Chase sits, you got Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins ahead of him. Chase is at six. Then you got Debo Samuel, Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown, Chris Godwin behind him rounding out the top 10. And T. Higgins at 19. So you got two of the top 19. Yeah, which that, that feels right. I do think the Bengals are one of the best receiving cores in the NFL. So I, I will agree with two of the top 20 receivers being on the Bengals roster. I think Chase can go up that list potentially, but I understand he's only played one year at this point. Right. I don't know that right. you're going to hop DeAndre Hopkins or Tyreek Hill yet at this point. I mean, but, he, he's, he's ahead of Debo Samuel, Stephon Diggs. Um, Debo, obviously the Swiss army knife and Stefan Diggs has put up some ridiculous numbers in, in Buffalo with, with Josh Allen. So that tells you that they think pretty highly of Jamar chase. Well, and AJ Brown's a monster too. Yeah. Right. No, right. So yeah, no, I mean, he's already in really good company for a guy who's only played one year in the NFL, but I do think there's an argument to be made that he's a top two or three receiver in the NFL based on what he's shown in just that one year. Yeah. And just to split hairs a little bit, I mean, maybe I don't, I, I mean, Christian Kirk's 32, Michael Gallup 31, Brandon Ayuk 29, Tyler Boyd does not make the list. you think that's fair, or is it just he's a slot receiver and it is what it is? I, yeah, I just think they're going to get into a situation where they're like, eh, the Bengals really have three of the best 32 receivers in the NFL, which they might. They like, might. I could yeah. make that argument, especially yeah. when you're talking about the guys at the end of this list. But I understand for a uh, media outlet who's trying to get as many clicks as possible why they might not put three guys from the same team on the list. Right, right. I mean, no one else has three guys on this list, right? I don't believe so. I'd have to go, go piece to, pieces together, but I don't think so. They got uh, the two Tampa Bay guys side by side, Godwin and, uh, and Mike Evans at, at what ten and eleven. But no, I don't think so. Yeah. So, so there you go. I just thought I it, I knew you'd seen that. I thought it was kind of interesting, just since we're already in that list season where we're going to see a constant barrage of things like this with not a lot going on in the sports world. This one was somewhat interesting to start thinking about, okay, where do these two elite young guys slot in and the rest of the NFL? Yeah. And you're talking about really a Joe Burrow that you've seen for a year and a half, right? I mean, he's already made that list in a year and a half into the top five or six. Right. And, and I mean, no one's like we said, I don't think there's really much of an argument for the guys underneath of him. Maybe you could argue a slot or two, above him, but I don't think anyone's going to move him down from that six spot. No, agreed. All right. Ian Rappaport tweeted that the NFL is discussing the Pro Bowl week and ways to improve it, including possibly eliminating the traditional game and using that Sunday to showcase the players in it. One person to chime in with an idea was Chad Johnson, who wants to have the current Pro Bowlers play against Pro Bowlers of the past in a flag football format. Skinny, do you agree with Chad that that would break the viewing ratings for a Pro Bowl easily? And what would your suggestion be to the NFL? Yeah, I, I, my, my, my main suggestion would be to eliminate it. But I do like Chad's outside the box here. I, I, I think I'd watch out of curiosity. I don't. I'll tell you, of all the the, the all star games in sports, that the Pro Bowl is probably the most irrelevant. By um, far. 
I think I'd rather see kind of a flag football format with some guys from the past. I don't know if I'd, I'd – I guess I'd tune in out of curiosity. I don't know how long it would hold my attention span. It's just one of those games that probably needs to go away. But I do appreciate Chad thinking – and I love the fact, Chad, he's still trying to find a way to play, right? It cracks me up. Him and Terrell Owens, they just will not quit. Terrell no. Owens is playing in whatever uh, goofy league that he's in right now. But the, the, the flag football thing is a fine idea, I think. But I don't really understand – playing the current guys against old guys. I mean, what sense that like, maybe if we're going to mix up teams and you're going to do like uh, a legends quarterback as a captain yeah, on each no, side yeah, right, right. and they can, they can each draft some guys and you, you intermingle the two, but I can't imagine just doing current NFL stars versus a bunch of old guys. I mean, what sense would that no, make? I, I think that's probably fair, but at least Chad's got you thinking though. Right. And, and to yeah. his credit, he's got people talking about this and thinking because Nobody wants this. I don't need to see the quarterback skills competition. I don't need to see guys run against each other in a 40-yard dash. I don't see. I don't know about none that. Of that appeal, none of that appeals to me. Really? See, I, I so I agree totally that you either change the game to flag football, period. Even if you don't add players from the past or whatever, you can't keep playing this game and acting like it's a real football game. Agreed. It's very awkward, hard to watch, weird. You also get a couple guys who are going a little bit too hard and so everyone else is going like a 10th of the speed. And then there's a guy or two out there head hunting in the, the pro bowl game. Cause they can't turn it off. You either need to stop playing the game or change it to a flag football format period, regardless of what other goofy gimmicks you had. The other thing I would say is if you're going to cancel the game, or even if you don't, I think a punt pass and kick competition, like who wins a punt pass and kick competition in the NFL quarterbacks, kickers or punters. Andy Honestly. Reed. Andy Reed. <laughs> but see, seriously, have you, seen, you, have you ever seen that clip of him? Yes, yes, very impressive stuff from the Kool Aid Man. Uh, <laughs> but who in the NFL would you take in a punt, pass, and kick competition? A quarterback, a kicker, or a punter? Who has the edge in them? I think I take. I think I take some punters. I would too, because they can it, do the kicking the, as yeah, well the, as almost as well as the kickers. Yes, correct. And and a lot of those guys were pretty good athletes. Yeah. I think you're right about that, but you know, there'd be like a couple athletic quarterbacks that want to give that a try. So that would be something that's kind of funny, goofy to watch. I think another play you can, you can make for some nostalgia purposes. Some of your guys that are getting to their thirties and forties. Now that grew up with the Madden video game, they always used to have those like Madden mini games before where, you know, you had to like a coffin corner kick challenge or different little things like that. Bring back some of the more familiar, popular ones and, and make a nostalgia play there. Also, you remember the NFL quarterback club challenge back in the day where you yep. see like Warren Moon and Peyton Manning and these guys throwing the ball as far as they can or going through one of those weird uh, target practices where they have moving targets running across the field. I think bringing something like that would be kind of fun. And then you mentioned it. You said you wouldn't want to watch it. I actually think it'd be very enticing to watch races with like Tyreek Hill and DK Metcalf and whoever until your guy snaps his hamstring off the bone and then you're then you're pissed. Yeah, see, that's the problem. I, I don't know how much participation you would get in something like that because of the injury concern now. It's yeah, just I mean, the, the, the Pro Bowl was a big deal back in the day because, you know, those guys aren't making the mega millions of dollars. And so it was a nice little extra paycheck for them. And it meant something for them because of that. And um, well, it also used to be in Hawaii and not Arizona. Well, that's the other another problem. Was, you know, if somebody suffered a, a, an injury there, you weren't out a million dollars of worth of investment. I mean, these guys now, the investment in these guys is pretty damn significant to risk injury in a stupid game that nobody cares about. 
Yeah, well, and players are much more cognizant of things like that and the business decisions that they're making and all that. I mean, that is a popular thing now to just ask out of your contract consistently. So, I mean, well, if you think... what, then the other part is then, you know, a bunch of guys beg out. And I don't blame them. I, I think I would, too. And then you're down to the seventh alternate. Is that really the Pro Bowl guy? Is he really a Pro Bowler? Come on now. Right. And that's the biggest issue with the game at this point is just there's not much of an incentive for these guys to play. And part of that's just how they view these things. I mean, again, if these guys are, go- are going to sit out actual games and not play actual seasons over contract negotiations, you really think they're going to risk it in an all-star game like this? Yeah, I, I think he just needs to go away. I appreciate Chad trying to get himself involved again and wanting to figure out a way how he can play. Hell, if he played, he'd probably want to kick as well because he, he did that in an exhibition game once. So, yeah, I, I do appreciate Chad thinking. And I know I, I saw a bunch of Twitter responses to his idea, and a lot of fans sounded pretty optimistic about the idea. They sounded like they kind of liked it. So maybe the NFL does take it seriously, and, and it's not in the format he's talking about, but kind of in a – format you're talking about where you kind of mix the legends with the current guys. Yeah. And, and I think the biggest thing is you have to find some type of incentive to get the players to want to go. Right, right. I don't know what that is. Maybe right, it's correct. the NFL has so much money that you just start making crazy prizes, you know, for MVP right. or something like no, that, right, or, right, right. or maybe you turn it into like a giant uh, music festival to go coincide with it. The players get this like kind of private rap show going on at the same time with big artists. You got to do something to incentivize them to come. Uh, but part of that is it's a different day and age too. like with yes. social media and stuff. Guys don't probably like congregating in one city and going wild like they used to, because it, it's not easy to go wild out in public the way it used to be for some of these athletes. Yeah, no, I, I just, I, I think it just needs to go away. Fair enough. All right. Per sportsbetting.ag, this will be our betting segment for the week. We've got betting odds for 2022 NFL award winners, specifically the MVP award and coach of the year. And that's going up online here shortly at local12.com by the time somebody listens to this later today. So it'll be up at some point. Some, I, of, these, some of these props. These are more interesting to me than the uh, pro football network rankings that we just talked about. For MVP... Odds to win MVP this year. Joe Burrow has the fourth best odds at 11 to one. That's behind Justin Herbert at uh, five and a half to one, Josh Allen at six to one, and Pat Mahomes at nine to one. Right behind Burrow is Aaron Rodgers at 14 to one, and Tom Brady also at 14 to one. Let's start there, Skinny. What do you think about Joe Burrow with those 11 to one odds to win MVP this year? I like it. I, I We did this exercise. It was a different website. I was on the uh, the athletic. Paul Daner's uh, here, that podcast, Growling, he and Jay Morrison. Jay was out, so he invited me on last week. He used uh, BetMGM's odds, and he gave me a mythical 20 bucks, and he said, who would you spread it around on? And I said, I think I'd put 10 on Burrow. I'd put five, believe it or not, on Russell Wilson at 16 to 1, because if Denver has success, it's going to be because of Russ. And then who was my other five on? I think my other five was on was on Mahomes at nine to one. Herbert's five and a half to one. Josh Allen's six to one. Mahomes nine to one. Then Burroughs, you mentioned eleven to one. I think that's where my money would go. I I, I feel pretty good about that. The Sean Watson in there at, eight, at eighteen to one is insane to me. I mean, I I know that if Cleveland has success, it's going to be because of him. But how do you make a bet on him right now, not knowing when or if he's going to play this year? Right. That's a great point. I mean, and the way things are going right now, it's. It's getting very dicey, in my opinion, about what his future is going to look like. Right. No, right. I mean, I, even I more even more so than it already was, I should say. 
Let's take another intriguing one on there, even though he's having a contract squabble, and I, I don't think I would do it. Um, like I said, I think I've got my $20 spread out pretty good, and you can take it to whatever denomination you would like. But Kyler Murray at 33-1 to was a little bit interesting, and so was Lamar at 25-1. to But I'm going I'm to stick with where I'm going to go with my mind. I think Russell Wilson at 16-1 to is just fascinating because, like I said, if Denver has success to a pretty high level, it's going to be because in part of, of him. And they're... They got a pretty nice roster, and that's a pretty juicy price at sixteen to one. But I, I think Bro at eleven to one is a great price. I like your Russell Wilson pick there. That's a good one. The other one that I'd be tempted here by is Matthew Stafford at twenty to one. Yeah, it's an Aaron, one. you're right. Aaron Rodgers won the MVP last year. He's fourteen uh, to one. Yeah, and, and I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to win it again. But you know, I think sometimes we think we remember. Okay, who who won the Super Bowl or who who really stood out in the Super Bowl or things like that. I mean. Matthew Stafford didn't get any awards for what he did last year. You know, I mean, if he has a monster year and they're back in the suit, you know, they're back in contention for another Super Bowl. I I think he's going to have a chance. Yeah, I just don't know if he'll put up the numbers. I I honestly don't. They're going to run the football. Their defense was a big part of what they did. Um, He's a big part of it. It is a juicy price. I think I'm going to pass. All right, let's go on to coach of the year where Zach Taylor is about 18th best odds here on the on the board at 22 to 1. That's tied with Todd Bowles. Any thoughts on Zach Taylor at 22 to 1? I think that's great. I, I kind of like it. I think it is too, and I think so is the guy right behind him, right? Andy Reid's 25 to 1 with a good team and a chance to win a Super Bowl. Those are two juicy ones for me. At the top of the list is Sean McDermott of Buffalo. I just, I mean, I guess if Buffalo goes to the Super Bowl, he's in the conversation, but he's already, he's got, I don't know. I, it, that, that doesn't, 10 to 1, to the, no, no thank you. I mean, Josh McDaniels at 14 to 1, no thank you. They got a lot of the new guys on the list, and I guess that's some of it, but if Zach Taylor, because I thought, like, I will say this, Rick, it, there is the national narrative that, that what last year the Bengals did was a fluke. Right, and that's the players are kind of taking that and running with it, with the whole chip on their shoulder disrespect thing. If, if that's truly the belief, and Zach Taylor leads the Bengals again deep into the playoffs and certainly to the Super Bowl again, that twenty-two to one is going to be the biggest gift of your lifetime. Well, and and that's the thing. I mean, if we're being honest, Zach Taylor should have been coached the year last year, probably. Yeah, maybe what he did, but people right. weren't exactly sure what that was going to look like at the time that the voting happened, and it, and it ended up being Mike Vrabel. If Zach Taylor and the Bengals are right back in the same spot this year, Zach Taylor is going to be at the top of this list because people know what he did last year. It's going to be, and not, not that it's based on the year prior's results, but you're going to have basically two years in a row of Zach Taylor being sort of the the turnaround coach or the the most improved coach in the NFL. I think he's going to have a chance to to win this thing. I am shocked that he's this far down the list and has 22 to one odds. I think he's by far the best value on this entire list. Yeah, no, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I I think the same thing. I, I saw those odds and I went, wow, 22 to one. That's a, it's a pretty nice price. Cause you're right. If they do so, if they are as good as we think they're going to be um, and, and at a minimum playoff team at that point, you go, okay, this isn't fluky. This guy's got things going in the right direction. And hence he's the guy we got to vote for. Yeah. I mean, if they win, 10 or 11 games. Right. I think he's right in that conversation. Well, I'm with you. I, 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 I fully, I, I, I'm in full agreement with you on the, on the value play of it. All right. Let's get into some ask any, anything here. 
And we'll start with a couple of sports questions. First of all, what were Skinny's thoughts on the Nick Saban versus Jimbo Fisher feud? This happened almost right after we got done recording the podcast last week, which was unfortunate. It seems to happen too frequently to us. But what were your thoughts when you saw that go down? I think everyone knows by by this point, Nick Saban started pointing fingers at Jimbo Fisher and Deion Sanders for for paying players through the NIL deals and all of that. Uh, there was some back and forth between these two guys. What would you think of it? Yeah, there, there's two things that, that came to mind. Number one, who was Nick Saban talking to, Rick? Do you know? I think he was not talking to these coaches or the other schools at all. I think he was talking to his donors. Bingo. I mean, it's it's plain as day of, hey, guys, look what they're doing at Texas A&M, and they've got a bunch of money to play with over there to, to get players. And, and look, even a school like, like uh, where Dion's coaching at Jackson State – um, there's going to be some money to get a player or two, and those are guys we like. And guess what? You're going to have to start doing. You better pony up, or else. And this was a this was a quit taking me for granted. You think I'm just so great and I can keep winning these championships right. because I'm Nick Saban? No, I need your right. money so we can keep buying the best players because no, now we're no losing question. to HBCUs. No question. He probably shouldn't have brought Jimbo Fisher into the conversation, but the reason he did is simply this: Texas A&M's got a ton of money to play with. The people around that that program have a ton of money. And and they just spent it to get the number one recruiting class in the country. Nothing that Jimbo Fisher did that was illegal. It's all NIL stuff, and, and that's where we are today. But that's where we are today. And Nick Saban knows that's where we are today. And if you want us to keep up, guys, you better start ponying up because I can't get them all on my own. I, I the, the, the thing I want to know is, are you going to take that conspiracy a step farther? Do you think Jimbo Fisher and Deion Sanders were in on this? Do you think they knew when they were in the same boat of, yeah, let's rile this all up and talk to our donors and, and that type of thing? Or do you think this was just Saban going going rogue and, and trying to get his donor base yeah. behind him? I'll go the latter, although there is a connection between Saban and Dion from the Aflac commercial, right? And there is a connection between Jimbo and Saban from their time coaching together, right? No, I, I do think this was strictly about, hey, these guys are pointing up money. You guys got to point it up too. Now, I did the other part that I found of this that was hilarious to me is Jimbo Fisher calling Nick Saban a narcissist. That would be pot and kettle, would it not? I mean, what coach isn't a narcissist? Right. What successful coach isn't a narcissist? Right. Yeah, and that, that was my exact thoughts too. I I don't know. It's interesting. I just wonder if you're Nick Saban, don't you realize given – what you've done to grow this program to its point. Don't you realize that there's a lot of people out there that know where the bodies are buried and are going to be willing to sing. I mean, as soon as he said this stuff, Lane Kiffin's talking about it. Jimbo Fisher's calling a press conference and they're all saying, Hey, we know how you got to where you are. You don't want us talking about it. I mean, he had to know people were going to say that and come out of the woodwork saying that I'm I'm just a little surprised that Saban wanted that extra heat by calling out other programs for cheating. No, he wants to be successful and realizes that in today's day and age, you better pony up the money to be successful. And I mean, listen, this is a guy who remember those years of we're going to go line up in the I formation and we're going to beat you 17-13 because I got the best defense in the country. And suddenly he looked around and goes, huh, I need to get some better players. And everybody's playing wide open football. Let's go to wide open foot. He's a, he adapts. And this is his way of trying to adapt to the NIL environment of, We've got to start ponying up more money, folks, or we're going to get left behind. It's going to happen. And especially a team inside his division, the Southeastern Conference, just had the number one recruiting class in the country because of NIO money. 
Skinny, do you think Keon Brooks will return to Kentucky after pulling out of the NBA draft? I don't, and I'm not hopeful that he does, to be honest with you. I'm a man on Keon Brooks. What about you? I think it seemed like when Cal did that thing where he named off who was coming back on the roster and didn't name Keon Brooks before he had even entered the transfer report. I mean, I'm sure Cal knew it was coming, but it seemed intentional. It didn't seem like there was any, or we're waiting to see what happens with Keon or anything. like. It seems like those two sides are a little bit far apart in where they think things are headed. I don't see him coming back to Kentucky. Um, now, I guess some people are hopeful that our UK fans thinking that, well, other teams already have their roster set. Uh, to some extent, that's true. But for the most part, if you can add Keon Brooks to your roster, you're going to take that chance and add him if yes. your team's looking for another body in the portal. So, I mean, he's got plenty of value. He'll have plenty of takers. I I don't see him coming back to Kentucky. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, honestly, would, would Cincinnati take him? Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. yeah. You know, Keon was just one of those guys that just, always left me wanting more. He never was able to develop his outside shot the way I thought he would. And he never, and I get you're playing alongside Oscar Shibway. It's hard to, to get many rebounds because he's vulturing all of them, but he just never really became the rebounder that I thought he would either. He just always kind of left me wishing he'd be more productive and more consistent. And not that he's a bad player. I mean, he can, he can still put up 20 something in a, in a game and, and carry them as he showed in a couple of big games last year, but then he also disappears in big games too. And uh, I I don't think it's a killer for Kentucky to lose him. I don't either. Yeah, I don't either. I think it's more of a killer that that Milt Wagner got hired by Louisville. Yeah, that's big. Although I'm, I'm fully on board of like recruits are important. You got to get them, but I don't know that I need to be hiring everybody's family to, to win a recruit. I don't know that any one recruit is worth basing my staff off of. No. And, and, and honestly, I mean, there is some ties there. He played at Louisville. He and Kenny Payne were teammates, but there's, it's a clear cut reason he had signed. He, he, he was hired there. Yeah. And I just think that always creates some dicey situations in your locker room and in your, your coaches offices. So I would stay away from that personally, but Hey, I get why Kenny Payne's doing what he does. Uh, Skinny, what is your ideal starting five of Cincinnati sports media and what style offense would you run? <laughs> oh, man, that's a great one. All right. Four so, corners is the style of offense, regardless. Of no, the problem with four corners is I'd have to have somebody to handle basketball. <laughs> that um, might be your main problem here. J- Joe Daneman would be on that team. Joe can play. Yep. He'd be my shooting guard. He might even be my point guard by default. Um, George Vogel in the day, I would put him in the mix. I'm trying to think of guys today, man, there's, there's not a lot of choices anymore. No. I mean, we, we haven't exactly gone the, the tall strapping athletic look for our current sports anchors in town. I I don't know Caleb no well enough from channel nine. I do know he played college football as a kicker. So I'm going to guess there's some athleticism there, but I don't know his basketball ability. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of guys under six foot these days in the really local are. sports market. I mean, there really are. Gone are the days of Brad Johansson shooting skyhooks. My, my favorite story on Brad Johansson, by the way, and he was a pretty good basketball player. We used to play pickup ball at the Mount, a bunch of media folks, not just on air, but, you know, every, a bunch of different people in the media. We play every Tuesday or Wednesday. And, and Brad was pretty good. So one game, Brad was posting up somebody for, like, the game bucket, next bucket for either team wins. So I come from, from the weak side, and I take it away, and he calls a foul. 
And I remember I turned around and I, you can imagine what I said. He just looked at me for a second. He goes, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, don't call some chintzy foul because I just took the ball away from you, bro. Oh, I, a, I, and then he apologized about it, which is maybe the rarest thing I've ever heard of right. on a pickup basketball court. Exactly. He knew it. As soon as he called the foul, he knew it. So um, if Zach Wells was still in the media, I'd take him as a shooter. Zach, Zach wasn't afraid to shoot it. And he could make. I'll take Zach Wells as a, an acceptable answer because he's shooting NKU games for, for like is video he? highlights now. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what then, because he technically is in the media as a, as a, as a color analyst. I guess I put, I'll have a three guard offense with Daneman. Um, I, I guess I'll put Caleb. No, we're going to go four guards. Caleb, no, um, Zach Wells. And then I'll put, I'll put Brad Redford in there. Oh, okay. Well, if, if you're going that route, then, I mean, I might slide Byron Larkin into the mix here. Yeah. I don't know. Byron's getting a little long in the tooth. Does he still uh, play? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We're going to put, I mean, no offense to Joe Daneman, but if Joe Daneman can be on this team and consider one of our best players, I think Byron Larkin can still get on the floor. That's, if that's we're putting Caleb no in it as like one of our stars, I think, Byron Larkin is better than both those guys still. No offense. And I, and I will, I, you know what? Because he, he doesn't get up and down the floor, I don't think, as well these days. But he does referee games because he refereed some of my AAU games back in the day. No, not even back in the day, four or five years ago. Terry Nelson, we, we at least get a little bit of size there. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and you know what? He's such a good role guy. You know he's just going to he's gonna want to rebound and block shots and take charges. He's my guy. I'm telling you right now, out of the guys we've named, Byron Larkin is still the best player. Probably you're probably right. I mean, he still plays very regularly uh, up at Xavier Noonball with like a group of guys. So, and he's one of the better players there. So, I'm, gonna, I'm guessing Redford probably, and I know Redford still teaches shooting. So, I'm going to guess he's still he's still shooting the ball, right? Yeah, yeah. Redford would be a problem in a game like this because I mean, he's automatic from three. It's well, yeah, I mean, so if you I, give him, it's layups for him still. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna play five out with an occasional high ball screen from Terry Nelson and just get downhill and kick kick the pitch pitch to threes. Yeah. I mean, the problem about it, asking this question is you have to go into some of those like ancillary media guys, because if you're just talking about the sports anchors in town, there's only like five of them anyway. That's, that's a good point. I mean, there's not that many guys left. So that's a good call, too. Yeah, that's a good call, too. So I'll, 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 I'll let Byron have the ball in his hands with Redford on a wing, Joe D on a wing and Zach Wells in a corner. And we'll have Terry Nelson just set consistent high ball screens for Byron and let him get downhill. All right. He's more of a he's he's more of a mid range guy. The mid range game was his game back in the day. So yeah, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with Byron's got the ball in his hands. Tino setting high ball screens, and then my my shooters out out on the wings. Now try to stop us. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Uh, skinny gas or electric lawn tools slash mower. Um, I, I'm I I don't the, the gas powered ones are well. I mean, obviously your lawn mower um gas powered, but uh no everything else for me is electric. Yeah, I'm strictly electric as well. I'm I'm in the Ryobi fam, not to brag. Yeah, we, we when when uh when I first got married, I inherited my father-in-law's um weed trimmer for lack of I guess weed whacker. And it was one of those ones you had to balance the oil with the gas and the this with the that. Yeah, and, the two straight that yeah, and it, 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 I, I just went out and got a $79 electric one that I had for about 15 years and then bought another one not too long ago for 49 bucks. So, yeah, I'm I'm strictly electric. And and now you know what? For the most part, Rick, I'm strictly I pay my guy to do it. Yeah, well, that's really the route to go. And the answer here is just don't do yard work. But if you are going to the I mean, if you, you just got to decide which brand you're going with now and get all locked in on their products with the, the batteries, because once you have like two or three of the good batteries and you can just right. swap them through all the things like you just get everything that brand. No, that's a good call. 
and it's nice. I mean, we've we've even got a, a battery mower. Now we have a small little yard here in Newport now, but we've got even the battery mower and the things like a little toy. I mean, you pick it up with one hand and you can drink a beer with one and push it with the other. It's, <laughs> it's perfect. It's pretty good. I'm telling you. All right. Uh, Skinny, I know you've been keeping up with this trial. Are you team Depp or team Herd? Well, I'm team neither. They're both. I can't say the word bat, bat blank crazy. Are they not? Both of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think everyone expected Johnny Depp. What to was the thing crazy. the other day where he said, didn't, did she eat his finger? Did she like eat part of his finger off? Yeah. Yeah. What the hell was that? I'm not real sure. I also saw a TikTok of a guy getting his finger bitten off by a lion. Oh, yeah. The other day. It, but both were equally disturbing, to be yeah, quite no, honest. Thank you. No, thank you. I mean, you talk about the most narcissistic thing ever, these two going at each other. Yeah. I mean, she's she's nuts. She's nuts. And Legitimate. he's nuts. I, I assumed that. I mean, he the guy who plays Captain Jack Sparrow. I mean, no, yeah. clearly that guy's not exactly a sane human being. That's correct. But uh, finding out Amber Heard is crazier than him was a bit of an experience. Yes. Uh, all right. We'll wrap it up with this. I think it was last week's podcast, or maybe it was the week before, because not a lot of people even heard last week's podcast. But uh, we were taught we brought back the, the ghost conversation. I think we yes. might even been talking aliens on that podcast, too. So this question is from that skinny. Would you rather have an interaction with an alien or a ghost? Ooh, I think a ghost. Because because the ghost really can't do anything to you, right? Other than scare you a little bit. The alien's got a chance to do something to you if, you, if, it, if it's an unfriendly alien. I mean, he can just wipe you out right then and there. Just say nanu nanu and pop you in your dead. Take, yeah, his, she- take his laser beam out and go go see you, earthling. Bang. I mean, no, I, I go give me ghost. By far, give me ghost. A huge risk with the alien. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, the ghost thing, I, I think most people would, not most, a lot of people would tell you that they've had ghost interactions or they believe in them or they've seen something that makes them think they're real or whatever. And you know, they're, they're here to tell us about it. With the alien thing, you're right. I mean, who knows? You could be abducted. You could be zapped by a laser. They could be hostile. You have no idea. But I'm still going alien because... Everyone has a ghost story for the most part. Like everyone will tell you some little thing that happened with a ghost. No one has good alien stories. So you want to have the, you want to be the guy that has the alien story. Hell yeah, I do. If I've got the option to choose. Yeah. I'm going to take my chance with meeting Here, an alien. Here's the problem with that, Rick. Here's the, here's the, nobody's going to believe you. That's the problem. People well, no one, no stuff. one believes the ghost stories really. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think more people believe the ghost stories than, than if you told me to tomorrow, I talked to an alien last night. I met one. I'd say you're full of crap. Was it a Mexican or was it which kind of alien are we talking about? <laughs> alien Gonzalez. Exactly. No, I, 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 no, I don't. I, I don't want to meet the alien because again, nobody's going to believe me. Now, if multiple people start meeting aliens, then we can all share those stories. Yeah, but then it loses the the impact. Right. Of, it's That's just like point. the ghost story but, at that but point. Nobody's so. going to believe you. You're right. No one's going to believe me, but. I mean, in this day and age with the technology we have, maybe I can get a selfie in there, something like that. Or maybe it's just like, hey, actually, remember uh, Third Rock from the Sun? Oh, yeah. Maybe maybe that's what it is. You know, Johnny, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard are aliens, man. Yeah, that might be right. That might be right. All right, Rick, appreciate it. Thanks for listening. As always, thanks for the questions, as always, as well. Uh, Each week, just head to Twitter and hit. Ask hashtag Ask Skinny anything to send your questions in sports or otherwise. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly potpourri edition presented by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending.